Hello, this is Martin Wolf, Chief Economics Commentator of the Financial Times, with my podcast. Are UK banks too big to rescue? January the 22nd, 2009. Is the British government on the right path with its recent package of measures to help the banking sector or, as Mervyn King, Governor of the Bank of England, put it this week, I quote, to protect the economy from the banks, end of quote. The question in truth is not only whether the measures will work, but whether the UK can even afford them. Here are two frightening statistics. Over the past five years, the balance sheets of many of the world's largest banks more than doubled. And, according to the bank, the median ratio of debt to equity in big UK banks is more than 30 to 1. The government faces two challenges. It must eliminate the consequences of these past errors, and it must prevent new ones. These errors go in opposite directions. The past one was lending too much. The present one is lending too little. The legacy of the former is destroyed balance sheets. That of the latter is collapsing lending. So what should the government be doing in dealing with the legacy of past excesses? The first action, surely, must be a brutal worst-case evaluation of the balance sheets. The government cannot safely guarantee any conceivable losses. The big banks are deemed too big, too interconnected and too important to fail. Yet might they not also be too big to rescue? This is lasted the spectre that Willem Bouter has been raising for the UK in his Mavericon blog. He notes that with balance sheets equal to 440% of gross domestic product, these institutions might conceivably imperil the fiscal soundness of the UK itself. I believe this danger is exaggerated. A recent analysis from Goldman Sachs suggests that the cost to the state should not exceed 8% of GDP. But it is also true that we do not know what would happen to the value of the global assets of UK banks in a true depression. Moreover, we have to add the costly impact of what are likely to be huge ongoing fiscal deficits over many years. The government's policy for dealing with the overhang of bad loans had been recapitalization. Now we have what Alistair Darling, Chancellor of the Exchequer, told the House of Commons would be, I quote, a new scheme under which the Treasury will insure certain bank assets for a commercial fee against losses on banks' existing loans, end of quote. Meanwhile, the problem for new lending is the departure of foreign financial institutions and capital. The government estimates that about 30% of lending capacity has consequently been lost. The proposals announced this week include three measures to address this capacity reduction. A £50 billion Bank of England fund financed by the Treasury aimed at buying corporate assets. A decision to let Northern Rock the nationalised lender, maintain its loan book to, I quote, support prudent lending to creditworthy customers and conversion of the preference shares in Royal Bank of Scotland into ordinary shares. In addition, I quote, we intend, said the Chancellor, to negotiate with each bank a lending agreement which will be binding and externally audited, end of quote. In return, new support measures are offered, 
an extension of the credit guarantee scheme introduced in October, which already covers £100 billion in loans, an additional £50 billion of guarantees, initially on new mortgage lending and eventually on other assets, and finally a plan for the Financial Services Authority to lower capital requirements to encourage lending in the downturn. So what are we to make of these complex proposals? I have three big concerns. My first concerns the potential cost to the taxpayers of guarantees, particularly on past loans. Guarantees on new loans may now be unavoidable. Old loans are a different matter. The idea of offering insurance against extreme outcomes is a superior alternative to buying bad assets at inflated prices. Yet these loans are bygones, sunk costs. The only question is who bears the losses. The dangers of letting some losses fall on creditors via debt for equity swaps are evident, yet there may be no responsible alternative, particularly in view of the UK's vast ongoing fiscal deficits. My second worry is management. The government says that, quote, we have a clear view that British banks are best managed and owned commercially and not by the government, end of quote. Recent performance hardly suggests banks are well managed. Above all, who is taking the risk and deciding what the banks should do? The answer to the former question is taxpayers. The answer to the latter is increasingly the government. Private management of socialised risk is always dangerous. This is why temporary nationalisation is logical, and I suspect it is where we will end up. My third concern is over the apparent hope of recreating securitised financial markets. I understand the appeal of such markets, but by offering guarantees, the government could be subsidising the recreation of a market in lemons. With international confidence in the UK weak and weakening, the government has to take a realistic view of what it can and must do. It has to come clean on the possible fiscal costs, and in the last resort, it has to focus its limited resources on the future, not the past. This podcast is available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf podcast. My columns are available at www.ft.com forward slash wolf. Goodbye.